0: Hello and welcome along to this week's episode of the Total Fertility Podcast where we explore the minds of experts from all different walks of life. Our aim is to make your fertility journey just that little bit easier. I'm Ed Coates, a consultant gynaecologist, a fertility specialist and co-founder of the website TotalFertility.co.uk where we try to connect you to all kinds of resources to inform you, educate you, empower you and hopefully encourage you on your way to finding your fertility. Now today we're going to be talking about a really important topic and it's something which um, as a specialist myself having seen many patients I'm often intrigued at, at that first engagement that patients have with their GP and I think it's a really important part of healthcare and medicine. General practice is the sort of cornerstone, the gatekeeper to going forwards into perhaps more specialised investigations, diagnostics and eventually treatments and we're going to be talking to someone today who has a real passion for women's health. Um, we're going to be talking to dr louise price i've known for a number of years now louise started off in fact as a specialist trainee in uh, obstetrics and gynaecology before she made a sideways dart into general practice and she's been working in that field now for Almost 10 years, and she has a real passion for women's health, hormones, menopause, and, and everything related to that. To this the, the sort of um, all life stages with regards to women's health. So I'm, I'm delighted that she's given up some time to, to join us on the podcast. Um, are you there, Louise? Welcome.
1: I'm here. Thank you, Ed, and thank you for asking me to come and speak this evening.
0: No, it's great. It's so good to have you with us. And I, I've always felt um, as a specialist protected from everybody in a hospital, you don't actually have that first contact with patients like you will experience on a daily basis in your clinic mm. as a GP. And, and I do think GP is one of the hardest jobs you can do because you sort of have to be a specialist in everything. Um, mm. And I think I deal with fertility every day, um, but of course you deal with all sorts of problems, uh, whether whether it be elderly care medicine, you know, paediatrics, fertility is just one aspect of your job i'm interested i suppose to know how much fertility do you see in your clinics and and do you see people early enough and 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 when you do see a fertility patient what's the sort of mix is it is it men coming to the clinic is it women coming to the Mm -hmm. clinic and how do you approach it
1: i think it's difficult to answer that question um accurately because of the past two years and what's happened with covid and i think it has very much change the scope of what we have seen because I think patients have stayed away um and sort of wanted to stay safe, protect the NHS, etc. But I think normality is creeping back in now. And interestingly, over the past couple of weeks I've seen a couple of fertility patients, which is great. Um, because what what we don't want to do in, in any area of medicine is is delay things um, when when things don't need to be shouldn't be delayed. Um, so I tend to see women, um, probably because I'm you know, I'm a female GP, I've got an interest in, in women's health specifically. Mm-hmm. But I think, as a general rule, women probably present more than men with fertility issues. I don't know if you would agree with that. Uh, you probably don't see the same scope as me, but certainly from from where I'm sitting, I see predominantly women coming with fertility issues.
0: Yeah, no, it's absolutely I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think certainly um, I think maybe uh, the conversation amongst women within women's groups, a lot of forums, um, are, are, I think w- will make it easier sometimes for women to engage with that. And I think mm. for men, it's it's sometimes it's not, not necessarily Always more difficult for men, but I think it can be a harder topic to focus on it. It possibly isn't always, you know, front of house in terms of things that they're thinking yeah. about, but not in every case.
1: Yeah, I think women do talk more, um, and I think women often assume that it's something that's wrong with them. Um, and I think we, we, you know, we know that um, in forty percent, forty percent of cases of subfertility infertility it's both parties. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's where there may be something um, that's not quite right um, so I think my a message there would be you know as the female don't assume don't assume it's you and if you have got to the stage where you are seeking help both of you go along or, or you go along to see your GP and get your partner to go along and see their GP because it's really important that from the outset we're treating both of you.
0: Absolutely and I mean you, you touch on a really important point there and I think it is it is often that misconception that actually it's all it always has to be the fact that it's the woman that has to be the physical issue that mm-hmm. here in, in the relationship causing the, the problem and actually 40 percent of fertility problems are male factor and and, and it, because it's a difficult topic it's not easy to talk about I mean men will maybe be less engaged initially but not always um, mm-hmm. uh, it's so important that people are aware that that GPs are there not just to treat one person but to, to, to look at a couple together mm-hmm. if indeed you you are a couple. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's some people are looking at their fertility as individuals and uh, in same-sex relationships as well. It's a it's a really important area, and I think one of the things that I've certainly seen over the years is that people are a little bit uncertain about maybe when to approach their GP. Mm. Um, and 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 it's a it's an important area, your fertility, and it's important to know when to get checked. It's a huge topic. Um, I think it's a huge spectrum, checked. isn't it? Hmm. But you must see when patients come through um, all sorts of things. And I wondered if there were, I mean, you, as, a, as a primary care physician, as a GP, you'll see all sorts of different problems that occur. Um, what what sort of symptoms and clues might you see in patients in your day-to-day practice, and not necessarily always in a fertility setting, that that might be at the back of your head thinking, ah, that, that could lead on to fertility issues? Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think one of the most important, important things to raise here are our lifestyle factors um yeah you know so so obesity smoking those are you know two huge areas that that impact on people's fertility um i think from a sort of women's sort of gynae perspective thinking about a, a woman's cycle um and you know, generally speaking, if somebody is having a regular menstrual cycle, you can be pretty confident that they're ovulating that they're producing an egg every month. So that's a really positive sign. We see a lot of patients with all sorts of period problems. Um, and for those who are having very irregular periods or having no periods at all, that's that's a real sort of red flag. You know something something's not quite right there. Mm-hmm. They're probably not ovulating. And if you're not ovulating, you're not going to get pregnant. So I would be saying to those women, come sooner rather than later.
0: I, th- I think you know there's obviously a number of things that you'll see as a gp. and and I suppose sexually transmitted infections is something that we we all talk about. There's a lot of um, education going on in in schools about the uh, the types of infections that you could. Uh, and, and it can sometimes be your first sexual contact where you you may contract a, an infection and, and of course these things can have an impact on fertility are you seeing uh, sort of higher levels of that over your career over the last 10 years of gp or, or and, and how do you approach that with patients who may not be thinking about their fertility for example
1: i don't know if i would say we're seeing higher rates of it um we do see a lot of stis um, on opportunistic screening, you know, um, or where patients have got symptoms. Um, that doesn't always lead to a conversation about fertility, but it sometimes does. Um, and it's certainly something I would, if I was seeing a patient who was presenting with with subfertility, who was struggling to get pregnant, it's certainly one of the top questions I would be asking, you know, have you ever had a known pelvic infection, STI, and um, it's definitely something I would be asking. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I mean, you talked about the pandemic there right at the beginning and how difficult it's been for not just primary care in terms of seeing patients and, and being able to investigate people as thoroughly as you want to and at the speed you want to. Mm. But it's had an enormous impact on people's mental health. And I think the other thing about fertility is it's, it isn't just always physical. Um, some male fertility issues can be psychological. Um and, and that can go be the case for both sexes. Um, um, but you, you, you really mentioned there as well some really important points about smoking um, and obesity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Facility is such a difficult topic to talk about. It's people so find emotive, it,
1: isn't it? They find it hard. I, find,
0: I find people find it hard, I think, to, to, not, not embarrassed, but just don't want to talk about it. Um, certainly from a male perspective, people don't want to possibly even admit that there may be an issue. Um, but how do you approach those difficult conversations around... Smoky.
1: Oh, Ed, I think that's, <laughs> it, it, it's the skill of a, of a general practitioner because we're doing it day in, day out. Mm. Um, you know, preventative medicine is a huge part of primary care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're used to those difficult conversations. I think it is more emotive in a fertility setting when you've got somebody sitting in front of you who's desperate to have a baby you know, and has probably been trying really, really hard to lose weight. And, and it is, you know, sometimes it's incredibly hard to lose weight, because I think there's a feeling that, you, you know, you're almost putting the blame on them, or you're not getting pregnant because you, you know, you're, you're overweight. And it's really not, not that at all. It It's just... You know, helping them to conceive and with you know when you have a normal bmi you are more likely to conceive but it's also about the safety of that pregnancy that delivery because we know that women who are obese um, you know have have more complications during pregnancy gestational diabetes problems in labor so it's about safety from the outset and looking after not only the baby, but the mum as well, and getting to her, her into the best possible sort of condition we can before she gets pregnant.
0: I think that's the most wonderful thing about your job. In fact, is that you have that that really that that person in front of you that that kind of really raw ability to kind of tackle those really key things so early on I mean we're you know working in an IVF centre and and dealing with you know sort of fertility treatments we're, we're sort of end of the line really in some respects and actually mm-hmm. a lot of the hard work that goes on with regards not having to end up in an IVF centre I think can be tackled as you say with preventative measures in a, in a primary care setting. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, and, and But holding people in general practice is, is a really difficult thing to do because you know, in, in some areas, it's two years before you can refer, you know, um, patients to, to secondary care. And two years feels like a long time when you're wanting to have a baby. Um, I, sh- I struggled for a little a little while getting pregnant with both of mine. And I know how long each month feels. So two years feels like an eternity. Um, so I, I sympathize with with partner, you know, with with patients for that
0: yeah and I mean I you know that you've that is a can of worms in itself you know what what are the pathways into secondary and tertiary care and and again, once you're in those settings, what are the the eligibility to to perhaps be mm. eligible for for funding and it is a total minefield of which we don't have a, a national policy um on it. we have nice guidance um which is helpful and I'd be be interested to to sort of you know for you to touch on on that, I suppose because I don't think everybody out there necessarily knows when they should even go and see a GP. When when, mm. when would you even begin to say, well, actually, enough's enough, we need to see a GP. I'd be interested to know whether you feel you see people too late, too early, um, or, or do you see a real mix?
1: You see a real mix, but I would say, I would rather see people earlier than later. I would rather um, manage talk about those risk factors, have open discussions, talk to them about what they can do to maximize their chances, Um, you know, some people are having sex every day, trying to get pregnant and and that can sometimes be too much. Um, you know, giving them really simple tips, take folic acid, um, you know, in the, in the pre-pregnancy period, all those little things. Um, and then I think it depends on, on the, on patient factors. So, you know, women who are older, women who are older than 35 come sooner. Um, women who've had previous pelvic infections come sooner. If your periods are irregular, come sooner so anything that's not quite right sooner rather than later yeah um, so those are the sort message. of red flags those are yeah. the
0: signposts to say look actually you should be knocking on your gp's door and say please can I have an appointment yeah. um and but
1: because because for those women um you don't have to wait the 12 months or you don't have to wait the two years we can refer you earlier um we only have to wait if if everything essentially is normal um, and and we're expecting you to get pregnant because we know that a huge proportion of patients will will conceive if they try for long enough. But if you've got an underlying medical condition where you're not producing an egg or your partner's not producing um sufficient sperm or whatever it might be, we can refer you earlier on the NHS.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it's um it, it's so fantastic to hear that because I think that's really what we wanted to try and get across with chatting to you today because it isn't barrier after barrier. There are routes into secondary and tertiary care if you need them Um, Mm. but your GP is your first place to start. Um, Mm. Anyone, I mean a lot of people may be a little bit frightened about seeing a doctor in fact and actually talking to them is is the first step. What sort of tests can you do in general practice because obviously I think we almost forget that as specialists in, in tertiary care where we're doing all sorts of uh, you know, more more advanced things. As a GP, you don't have that. You're not able to do all those tests um, always, and it's, it's it's tricky. But what are you, I mean, a patient coming to see you for the first time, been trying to conceive for for maybe a year to eighteen months. What mm-hmm. what sort of things can you do at that stage to guide them and help them?
1: So, so we would we would do the basic investigations. So we would do blood tests. Um, we would check patients' hormone levels. Um, to, essentially to check that their ovaries are working, that um, their hormones are functioning normally. Mm-hmm. Um, we, would screen, we, we would screen for previous chlamydia infection. Okay. Um, and we would encourage the partner to have a semen analysis, which mm-hmm. is a very straightforward thing to do and, and gives you a lot of information very easily.
0: And do you ever get um, anybody not wanting to do that? Or do you ever have sort of situations where um, men feel a bit sheepish about even coming to do that?
1: I think by the time they've they've built up the courage to come and speak to us, or their partner has, they're ready to do it. I, I've never had I've, that's never yeah, been an issue for that me. That's
0: great. It's it's really um, making it accessible for people and and realizing that they can do it without without losing face. Because I think that's something that's certainly come up over the years for the patients i was yeah. speaking to.
1: And I would, you know, you said at the very beginning that the scope of general practices is very broad, and it is, and we can't all be specialists or have a special interest in yeah. every area of general practice because it's just impossible. So I would encourage patients to have a look at your GP website or speak to the receptionist when you get through and say, you do you have a GP that's particularly interested in women's health or fertility? Um, and if they do, be guided towards that doctor because if they've got a special interest. They might have, you know, you you might get a bit more information than you might get from somebody who has an interest in something else, for example.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really useful, isn't it? It's just sort of signpost people in the right direction. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the big concerns that we have is 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 obviously getting investigated early enough, and and for those that do, it's it's fantastic at the moment, of course there is a slight sort of um, bottleneck with regards to the NHS and um, post the pandemic, it's been very, very hard. And so we're seeing a lot more patients coming directly to us, but but actually there are routes there. GPs are open for business mm-hmm. and the, the pathways into secondary care and having investigations done in an in NHS fertility clinic are, are still open, aren't they? A hundred
1: percent, a hundred percent. We have never been closed. Our doors have always been open. Um, and it it is very much business as usual we are incredibly busy a lot of things have been put off or delayed for the with the best will in the world patients have stayed away but now they're coming back and we are in a slight situation where we are firefighting in general practice Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not here and that we can't speak to you and guide you um, and there is absolutely no reason to not call
0: and, and how long does it take um sort of results to come back so if, if you do you had an appointment today with a couple and you talk about doing the, the blood tests and hormone results and going off for semen analysis how what sort of time frame are, are people looking at to sort of get results and, and then have a more detailed discussion about the next steps
1: Couple of weeks.
0: A couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. So it's really
1: so, so we would get somebody in probably the same week, you'd have your bloods, they'd be back after a couple of days and then we could speak to you the following week. I mean I can't talk for every every practice, but, but that's certainly how our, our system would work
0: okay and so actually quite relatively quickly mm. you can have a conversation with your GP and find out within you know within let's say three or four weeks where where you should be heading um, mm. that's, that's that's really useful to know do you ever have any conversations with patients about funding I mean are patients tackling over those more complex issues around are they entitled to NHS funding that huge topic that is really hard to give a simple answer to do you get money inquiries about that at your early stage or is that further down the line
1: I think that's further down the line to be yeah. honest mm-hmm. um, it it's a really difficult discussion
0: yeah.
1: um, and I've had one this week um, that's not eligible um, and it's heartbreaking it's yeah. really heartbreaking mm-hmm. um, but resources are not infinite and um, but that's that's a huge kind of
0: word, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. i mean the ccgs There's huge inequality isn't there across the uk in terms mm. of access to to health across so many different areas but fertility is just one area that we're we're obviously interested mm. in and, and probably biasedly talking about but it but it, it, it does seem um it does seem unfair that, that that's in one part of the country you'd have certain eligibility and another you wouldn't but you might have exactly the same problem um Mm -hmm. but that is you say is is a huge topic and we will be talking about fertility inequalities um later on uh, during the podcast series but um it's, it's really great to speak to you and hear your view on it um and and hear that you know that people really should be bothering their GPs about this sort of stuff because Mm. you know I mean we've been listening now for over a year to the 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 the, the dreadful tragic loss of so many people's loved ones with with uh, coronavirus and actually things like fertility are still important and it is still important not to become a statistic and be somebody that has left it too late or or doesn't get checked early enough.
1: And it's a lovely part of medicine and it's it's a joy when your patients get pregnant and and you then look after them in pregnancy and then see their babies it's it's a lovely part of of what we do so so yeah go, yeah go and see your GP
0: so can we um we're coming to you know I'd love to know what your top tips are to patients from your experience I mean you've been working in, in women's health for sort of over 15 years and GP in the last 10 years so you've, you've you've obviously got a passion for this area what sort of are your top tips for patients who are looking at themselves and thinking it's been a year now I haven't conceived um what would you say to them
1: I would say to them, um, don't be afraid to go to your GP. Have the conversation early. Try and speak to somebody who has an interest in the area because you might have a more um, in-depth discussion that's more helpful potentially. Um, And I would say don't lose faith. Um, You know, we know that something like 85% of, of couples will conceive after a year 92 will conceive after two years it's the odds are it's it's likely to happen so so don't lose faith
0: well that's so good to hear and it's really reassuring and refreshing actually to hear a GP with a specialist interest in this area saying come early come and see us we're open for business we want to help you early we want to advise you and guide you um, you know we've seen and we've been hearing about coronavirus now for well over a year and I think there has been a hesitancy on so many people's behalfs sort of not going early to see um, their GPs about all sorts of medical problems but it is important to know that facility is a priority to general practice and it is something that can be looked into Uh, with a bit more scrutiny if you go at the right time and if you see the right person. So some great top tips there from Louise and I'm so pleased she joined us uh, to reassure us and to let us know that that GPs are open for business and they do want to see patients with fertility problems and um, particularly as well to hear of all those really important things that can be tackled so early on as well whether that's weight loss or giving up smoking or just maybe for some simple advice around menstrual cycles. Um, These are sorts of early things that can prevent perhaps more complex problems further down the line. So really, really valuable advice Um, and I'm so pleased that Louise could join us to talk more about that. Now, next time we're going to be looking at IVF. It's a really huge topic and some people will find themselves moving from general practice through hospital care and into IVF treatment quite quickly. Depending on what the issues are that are identified, some people within just a matter of months can find themselves facing the need to go through an IVF cycle. And I've always found that this is a daunting area of medicine for people to tackle. Um, It's uh, something that suddenly comes upon people quite out of the blue often, unexpectedly. And it's a huge topic and there's a lot of language that's used, there's a lot of new terminology used. Um, And it can be quite daunting, quite frightening. So I'm delighted next time we're going to be joined by Alison Richardson, who is a consultant in reproductive medicine and surgery in the Midlands. And she's going to be hopefully making the topic as easy to understand as possible. And I think what we'd like to look at next time, and we'll be talking to Alison about, is what exactly is IVF, how does it work, and what do you need to know to be able to get on with your IVF cycle in comfort in confidence knowing that everything's being taken care of so I'm really looking forward to chatting to Alison next time and I hope you found today's episode helpful if you're asking yourself for the first time do you need to see a a doctor about fertility problems that you may be struggling or questioning I think the general message there is go early don't delay uh, and GP is open for business so I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I really look forward to having you with us next time